You're listening to Movies for Decades. Welcome to Movies for Decades, where we, the Albee siblings, skip across the river of time on movie-shaped stones spaced exactly 10 years apart, starting with 2021 and eventually arriving home at the pandemic-fueled dystopia that is 2021, starting with 1921. Did I say that? Today we watched The Day the Earth Stood Still, and it's an extra special day because today we have a guest. Our first first ever guest. guest. Introduce yourself. Hi, everybody. I'm a super special guest. My name is Ethan, and I've been friends with the Albi siblings for many years now. Yep. Yeah. Cool. And now you're a friend of the pod. Now you're Ooh. a friend of the pod. It's because you're a first guest. Yeah. yeah. Now. I'm John Albi. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, last place sibling going first. Yeah. 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 Colin Albi is. And yeah, I'm Helen. I said that, I think. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I, I like the intro. It's good. Yeah. yeah. So we're in 1951 this week. 1951 mm-hmm. already. Yeah. And I need some catching up immediately on the history and where we are in the world. Like, I, I need to know when World War II was because this feels like a very post-war movie. Oh, it sure is. And sure. it's like, it's, it's a little funny in that we, this 10-year jump from 1941 to 1951 seems like one of the biggest jumps you can make. Over yeah, the it, I feel like we're in a completely different reality from Citizen Kane in every yeah. way. Yeah, so nineteen, so World War Two was nineteen thirty nine to nineteen forty five, unless you want to start with Japan, the Japanese have uh, going to town in China in nineteen thirty seven. Once yeah. you want to start it there, so this the war has only been over for six years when this movie comes out, and everybody is freaking out about the bomb. It's full blown Cold War time mm-hmm. with this movie. Yes, this is this is. In some ways, one of your touchstone Cold War movies. Yeah, it very much felt that huh. way. So yeah. you know, like what 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 was what was, I mean, you want to call out what are some world some Cold War movies? You know, your, your Manchurian Candidate stuff like that. General paranoia about either commies or the bomb. Yeah, weapons yeah. of mass destruction. And they never really say it that directly in this movie. They never say the Russians exactly. Yeah, they, and they just, just sort the, of the ant being. I know where he came from. Yeah, and it wasn't no out of space. Or yeah, whatever she said. Ant <laughs> B being in this movie is one of the. Uh, what a great one Easter the, egg! What a, what a treat! <laughs> yeah, yeah, one of the bigger surprises of watching this. So Ethan, what, what was the reason why you maybe wanted to see this movie? Because you know we kind of let you pick from our list more or less. I have a really unintellectual reason for wanting to watch this movie, which is that as a little kid, I played Earthbound on Super Nintendo, Uh and I remember there's like a character or a really important uh, entity in that game that is basically the giant robot from this movie, and I had always known that there was some connection there, but I had never seen this movie. So that's why I picked this one. You know, the robot is a great reason to start watching this movie. It's a cool robot. Let's just get that out right now. And that was a real guy in there that was that tall. Yeah. I think he had lifts. Yeah, okay. Those shoes lent themselves. They were platforms. Those were disco shoes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I love Gort. And I love that he's 
menacing, but not in an overwrought, it's the monster kind of way. Just very like the calm, slow visor open was so chilling. Is and... he supposed to be the bomb yeah, metaphorically? That... Is that what he is? I don't, I think, I think we're getting into interpretive language. All right, all right. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I mean, certainly they make it fairly explicit in that last scene of like, these are the this guy right here. You see, he's 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 the race of robots. We Turns made. out this is my overlord. Kind this, of. It looked like I was his boss the whole time, but he's my boss. Every time I say Barada or whatever it is I'm saying to him, it's please don't hurt me. It's <laughs> it's please, daddy. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Which was kind of a left turn. Are we going to go straight to the end of the movie? We don't. Yeah, I don't like doing movies in order. So let's, yeah, let's talk about that ending first. And we just did watch the movie, literally. Yeah. Minutes so, ago. Yeah, and so we and we tried to be quiet after we finished it. So, yeah, what do y'all think of that ending? I mean, I knew this movie was going to be a commercial for the United Nations. I uh -huh. felt like that was kind of what they, why it got A-listed, which I want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Was it was post-war, everybody's scared, we want to have this movie that's going to promote peace and unity, and so it was unofficially a propaganda movie? Am I wrong to, is that my, that's my understanding. I think you maybe know more context than I okay, do. Okay, because I did a lot, I read a lot of articles about this, and uh -huh. so the, you know, the Hollywood execs that didn't want to spend money on a sci-fi film is like, oh, if this is going to make people pro-United Nations, I guess we'll greenlight this movie kind of mm. deal. And so huh. I expected it to be a little bit heavy-handed, and still I was surprised by how heavy-handed that movie, yeah, the ending was. The ending, it was just such a drive-through ending. It was just, all right, here's, we, we got the point of the film, da, 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 and then it's over. Like, there's no, like, oh, geez, what do you guys think of that speech we just heard? It's just he flies away, mm -hmm. the end, delivered the propaganda very cleanly yeah. now it's over thank you <laughs> yeah yeah and i have because we just did a charlie chaplin adventure um and i did a lot of research for him even though i got mad at him and didn't want anything to do with him by the end um i did listen to his end of the movie speech the great dictator speech and mm -hmm. that was so beautiful and so relevant and i was kind of expecting his speech at the end of this movie to be like beautiful that. and relevant beautiful and relevant and like still powerful today and yes world peace i feel uplifted but instead i was like Ugh. police state police yeah. state the universe wah, wah. the solar system you live in is a police not the solar system the your neighborhood in space is a police state, and we will blow you up if you break the rules K-by. Yeah, yeah like, it's so weird. But it's up to you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can be shitheads, or you can be chill. And, you know, <laughs> so this is a, I think this is the second time I've seen this all the way through. First time was when I was probably 10. And uh, in my memory of it, and also my memory of how this movie is talked and written about, is that the ending is supposed to be sort of a finger wag at the audience but in a kind of subversive way it's really like it that's my memory of it but that's not really what i saw today i mean I, and i think but still i think even if you put it in that context this is a like hey we're going to talk bluntly about how we live now in a world where we could blow ourselves up like that's in some ways what the movie is saying with its propaganda which yeah. was a scary reality that 1951 audiences weren't really looking to hear Mm. So I think that's partly why 
I think today that that message, the propaganda in this movie is a little like disconcerting. But I think at the time it was like, no, we're actually talking about the bomb. Later, we're, we talk about nothing but the bomb later in the later on in the decade. But here, I think early it was like, we prefer not to think about the fact that we're in an arms race. Yeah. Right. And this movie, this is kind of popular sci-fi movie, was talking to audiences saying, no, we're in a arms race and it kind of sucks. Yeah, surprise, yeah. you thought you were going to watch a fun sci-fi movie with a scary robot. Instead, mm-hmm. you have to face how terrible the world is. Right. Turn yeah. out there are consequences to nuclear weapons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, tell me your thoughts about the ending, Ethan. Uh, oh, it was kind of a letdown. I really enjoyed yeah. the movie up to that point. But like yeah. you say, it wasn't very much of a drive-through ending. And the last five or ten minutes of the film was just kind of like... Yeah. yeah, ham fisted. Yeah, yes, very much so. All right, let's get to the point. Here's the point. Good night. Literally, yeah. give a speech in front of an audience. <laughs> what I tried to do at the beginning of the film, but you didn't let me. Yeah. So we had to drag it out for another eighty minutes. Yeah, I had to invite scientists to my <laughs> because spaceship <laughs> because the leaders of the world wouldn't come to my party. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know who's gonna be there. Oh. I don't know, Kuwait. And I don't yeah, know. I don't want to hang out with that guy. Yeah. <laughs> he was mean to me. Yeah. Oh dear, that's real now. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah shoot. Yeah. So, yeah, I uh, so I guess another thing to, worth mentioning is, so I think y'all were saying how, like, oh, Men in Black is sort of doing this movie. But here's the other thing, is this movie, among other things, is a major touchstone science fiction film. Yes. Like, yeah. clearly. It's a. Uh, I wouldn't. It's too much to say that it's like the. It's it's certainly not the first serious science fiction film, but it's one of the first, really. And it's kind of. It's more or less. It's it's hard to call it a hard science fiction film. Yeah, technically. I call it hard sci-fi, but it. Was, but it leans that way. It, yeah. It leans that way. It with with the fact that it takes the science element seriously and 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 maybe has some actual hard sci-fi concepts in there. Right. Of of certainly, I, I actually I kind of like the detail about how they there's no seam for the door, which I think they they pull off pretty well. Like they any shot that doesn't have the door opening, they don't there's nothing. Mm-hmm. I think they play off that detail pretty well. It's like, huh, that's kind of nanotechnology. And I'm trying to figure out if this was before or after. It was after the Great Roswell crash, right? I that don't had really been know. in the in the news. The Roswell crash, I think, it was just before '49. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. So there so was there all this mythology about that craft that they found in the news then about how you could crumple up the material and it would reform and. Right. So I think they were definitely referencing that. Um, yeah. Yeah, right. that weather balloon, which I guess you can crumple up rubber and it's fine. Like, <laughs> the thing about balloons is you can crumple them up and then blow them back up and oh wow, they're round again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Shoot. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, so this movie was hugely influential among science fiction uh, writers and filmmakers. And so this is a reference point. Uh, you know, even even the game you're talking about. I mean, this that's this that's the this movie has pretty wide-reaching cultural impact. Yes. yes. And of course, right. y'all remember Army of Darkness, where Bruce Campbell literally has to say "Klaatu Barada Nikto." Yeah. Oh, I did not know. That's okay. lost. Detail about that movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was well. I mean, I I watched it. I mean, at that time, and I was. I think we saw it like. At yeah, con. we saw it at a. Unitarian and that's the only time con. I've seen it. 
Yeah. But uh, at the time, I was like, I think I was the only one in that group watching him. Like, he's literally saying, no, Klaatu, Barada, Nikto. I think I fully did the Leo DiCaprio meme in that moment, and no one else got it. Like, I had wait, no idea. You, like, what the, the, yeah, oh, the yeah. point. The point <laughs> we just pointed. Yes. <laughs> For the people at home, we are pointing. Yeah. Like Leo DiCaprio on his couch yes. from that movie I haven't yeah. seen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, that's, 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 that's one of the more explicit references to that movie but this movie i think just set a lot of standards for how to do an actual serious science fiction movie that is also cool yeah and i wanted to ask you colin uh -huh. as the filmican of the group uh -huh. what is the difference between an a movie and a b movie i have only a vague understanding i mean it's a little bit of i don't think there's a hard and fast definition of it is it just one has more money and more backing by the studio? A lot of times, your B-movies are made by smaller production companies, for one thing. Okay. Right. They, they literally are work for a... They're produced by a company that is not that rich of a company. So there's that part of it. But also, it's just they don't have any big-name actors who command big salaries. Yeah. And, and they don't have talent really or that has that can command big time salaries or if they do they just got one or two feels okay. to me that that's really more of a cultural term okay, of the b movie there was a lot of a lot of the articles i read made a point to point, like say and underline this was a rare a movie uh sci-fi film sure and most of them were b movies and this one wasn't and it right. was I, I think th that really just means this is the one that the culture accepted as a quality movie well no i think there's something to that because obviously there is some there's some real talent behind this movie the, the fact that the special effects are not bad yeah oh sure is, they is, look like actually they, cool they, even now they spent some money on the effects for the time it came sure. from a major studio yeah, yeah. A major studio and and of course it's directed by robert wise who this is one of his first, I think, I, I was just looking at his filmography to remind myself. Yeah. And I mean, he hadn't made too many big movies before this, but he'd made some movies. He edited Citizen Kane? Yeah. Huh. Hmm. Which is, which is not intentional that we have that little through line. Yeah. And oh, also the music is the same. Okay. I, the oh, music, yeah. I, I, I loved the music and that was something that really stood out to me as like, this is a sci-fi movie. It's had that tell. But another, an interesting thing about that music is it's paired with a story that's really just detailing an alien and his roommates yeah. for the most part. It's just like, here's a film. It's like, it might as well be a sitcom. Like, there's even Aunt oh B. God. Even <laughs> Aunt B's in the house. Even Aunt B is there. And there's this music that is incredible. And like, and I'm excited when it's going. And it kind of bursts in. And I'm like, he's just walking with oh, the, with down the, the street down with the, the child. Street, down, he's just like taking the, this kid out. <laughs> the music felt very melodramatic for the action that was on screen. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the music was great. It was, for a different scene. Maybe. Yeah, but it was kind of <laughs> jarring, and I, and I enjoyed that about it, but I think it's probably a little bit of a flaw. I mean, it definitely does well with the, with the sci-fi scenes. Sure. Yeah. It pairs, yeah. but of there's course, so few is, of them. And this is where the theremin belongs beside sci-fi thing came from. Yeah, right? yeah, that's where it, that whole notion was born, you know. And John, who can play the theremin. Who can play the theremin, and it's it's such a difficult instrument. And it was kind of like, what do we do with this incredibly difficult to play instrument? And then it, it came in this soundtrack and forever that's been like, well, there we go. If you can't play it, yeah, you can be spooky. <laughs> and it fits right in. Yeah, and it made Glort more spooky. Yeah, do sure y'all remember the other thing about this music? 
is that it was reused in a show called Lost in Space. Oh. Really? Frequently. No, I had no idea. Yeah, I mean, it was always the coolest music they would play in that show when something spooky was happening. Yeah, when, the, with the, when the alien that they reused in 12 different episodes and they would appeared reuse, again. And, and they would reuse... Like, the, yeah. <laughs> and they would, they would reuse that music. And, of course, so that was one of my first things when I watched this movie when I was 10. Is I'm like, that's the Lost in Space music. Because <laughs> we were those kids we had that a... had seen all of Lost in Space at 10 and then watched this movie at 10. Uh-huh. And were like, rip off! <laughs> we had a very particular childhood. <laughs> Explains a few things. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this... Uh, yeah, and Bernard Herrmann, of course, also had himself a career. Oh, yeah. He um, was apparently a weird dude. I mean, he, he has several, like, at least one other iconic score, of course, being Psycho. Right, he did all of Hitchhawk oh my goodness. stuff. Right? Yeah, and of course, and I guess, I guess Vertigo, too. Yeah, so, I mean, Vertigo, I had written down, but I can't remember now. But lots of really good scores, really amazing scores. So yeah, this guy Bernard Herrmann was an A-lister composer for sure. one thing. And they I, had yeah. all the they had all the good guns, you know. They mm-hmm. had all the good folks. Yeah. So I guess that's what makes an A movie, more yeah. or less. The you people, the good names. Yeah. yeah. The the checks written for the most part, and the names, and and you, when you reach a certain point, you're like, I'm not working on a B movie unless it's my B movie. Yeah. You know. Sure, sure. And yeah. the acting was great in this too. Like, what did yeah. you say, Ethan, about how good the kid was? Yeah, I said, how is this kid a better actor than every single person in the Harry Potter movies? Yeah. <laughs> Sick burn. Sick burn. <laughs> but, yeah, the child actor was really carried it. We've we've managed to watch two movies with great child actors, and I didn't yeah. I didn't expect that yeah. kid to be so good, mm-hmm. and so I didn't look up anything about him. Yeah. I was just like, oh yeah, and there's a kid in this movie, whatever, it's going to be awkward, I'm going to flinch the whole time he's on screen, he's going to be like, well, shucks, fellers, and I'm yeah. going to like, wish he wasn't there, but instead he kind of carried the movie. He did say G a lot. <laughs> and swell. Yeah. Uh, I have the same reaction to children, especially in old movies where I'm just like, am I going to be like clenching my fists this whole time, just <laughs> uncomfortable for this child, like going, well, gee, mister, you know? Yeah. Uh, and that but... is his job in this movie, is to go, well, gee, mister. Very much so. I do appreciate the scene where he swindles the diamonds, though. Yeah. <laughs> that's a... I appreciate that he was honest about it. I feel like that's sort of more of the American propaganda play there. Yeah. Like, this is an honest American boy. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I thought he was a good character. I, I didn't think he was just... Like a half baked plot device. I really, yeah. I really liked that he was there. I thought he was a good part of the film. Definitely weird though. The whole like, like I'll we barely met. I'll watch your child for a day. Yeah. So I, I while you go on a date. I have a comment about that. Um, that was just more of a thing. You think from, it was? Yeah. Well, Ed Gein, who you know killed people and made, decorated his house with their body parts uh, is this a real serial, a real serial killer? killer i make a point to not know anything Ed, about yeah killers. ed gein there was this big thing like he used to babysit the neighbor's children and it's just kind of like it was a small town they're like knock 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 look after my kid and as from a podcast i listened to uh they're saying they they tend to mythologize the babysitting element but back in the day it's just like I need somebody to look at my kid, you know, and you're here and uh, you're my neighbor and I don't really know you, but you know, you're an adult, you're an adult. And that was not that weird of a thing, but people like to mythologize Ed Gein as the babysitter, you know, which again, he was babysitting these kids while he had like skulls with 
pennies in it and whatever in his house you know <laughs> what however he decorated i i don't want to go into into that but yeah so i remember thinking like at us we were reacting to it watching it just like oh my goodness they're just he's, she's just leaving this kid with this man but maybe it was a little less weird at the time for yeah. for viewers we continue our theme of are we is this weird or is this going over our modern people heads yeah so, right. Yeah. yeah, is this dated or was this just to make the movie easier to right. tell? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then the kid and the guy were together and don't ask questions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The other game I've sort of been surprised that I find myself playing when the, in this podcast journey is is I spy with people of color. Yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Hard to that's, find them. That's been a thing of all the movies we watched. I was relieved to see them fully intermixed in the extras. But do they have lines? They had no, they lines. Had no lines. No speaking yeah. person yeah, of color. I don't bad. think we've had a single like line from a non-white person of all the four movies we've watched. Uh, yeah. yeah. They sang in... Um, Citizen Kane. Did they? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Maybe. I, was there yeah. at the beach party? I think. Okay. That was like that was the only. Yeah. I guess so. Wow. wow. Yeah. Bummer. Bummer. So yeah, that's that's the thing. Anyway. But they were This movie was pretty good for not being horribly sexist. Um, yeah. The lead, the female lead, who I love that actress. She has an amazing life. She was oh, yeah. married to Roald Dahl. Whoa. Right. Huh. <laughs> and crazy crazy thing about her i'm just gonna launch into this she had three strokes while pregnant and went into a coma and had a fully healthy baby fully recovered and won an oscar afterwards (laughs) (laughs) so she is a hero well what have you done with your life yeah (laughs) i think that's also this episode of man people in the past were some Party rough people yeah, who, went, who had some ass. lives. Yeah, and she, yeah, and Roald Dahl helped her recover. He helped her make up. Who is Roald Dahl? He, um, Author of uh, Charlie and Chocolate Factory, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Matilda and a whole bunch of other James and Jack each. Yeah. yeah. Huh. All those, okay. Yeah, yeah. He helped her what make the? up nonsense words so that she could learn to talk again wow. after her strokes. That's so beautiful. be married to a fantasy children's author. If you have a stroke, they'll help you regain your language. Wow, life lessons. Yeah. Jeez. So, Oh gosh! So 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 how long? If she's having strokes, when I guess she's in her thirties, then yeah. like how long did she? I mean, she was. They said that it was partly because she was a chain smoker, but um, oh, <laughs> <laughs> that explains her she, sultry she, voice. She lived to be in her eighties, okay, and was fine afterwards. Yeah. You just huh. get some strokes every yeah, now and then. Yeah, and I mean that was extremely powerful for me to read and kind of triggering because I had cardiovascular issues during my pregnancy, and I'm like, well, if she fully recovered. <laughs> yeah she's what a hard ass she is wow yeah. sick dude sick yeah. you, you always kind of have a good fact about the the I actors like to, i like to pick out the lead actresses that's kind of oh my yeah thing. good okay. good i yeah. didn't do that with citizen kane because i didn't want to do any research about citizen kane because i wanted to just fully nakedly react to it and it was weird that movie's weird. It's weird. I'm still yeah. not over it. Well, let's we're not talking let's, about that. Let's get I'm back on. Never seen it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. More thoughts, Ethan, about the movie in general. I really enjoyed it. Like overall, I thought it was a great film. I really enjoyed, like, realizing all of the little references to later sci-fi movies that yeah. I recognized as we went through it. Yeah. Because uh, I mean, those are things that I know from other movies, but 
had no idea that they were even references to something, let alone to this movie. So that that was a nice little. And I had never noticed. Hunt. Yeah, the Men in Black connection. So you kept being like, "That's several. Men in Black too. That's yeah. also Men in Black." Oh my gosh! Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Futurama loves this movie. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm sure it does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the sure. robot kind of looks like yeah. Bender a little Just bit. Just sort of a, a mound. Yeah. <laughs> a robot. Yeah, He's person mound. He's a silver guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So what about the resurrection thing where he came oh. back to life? Yeah. There, I found a fully like written by some kind of Christianity publication about how this is an allegory for Jesus because they love that huh. whenever any character ever is resurrected. And there's some debate about whether that was purposeful or not and huh. whether that's a theme of this movie or not. So I read, I remember reading Robert Wise was asked about this and the director and his reaction was, huh. Yeah. <laughs> it is kind of Christian-like or Christ-like, the resurrection thing. We didn't do that on purpose, but... It's like, but huh. his message was world peace, and he also had the ability to heal, and I don't know. I didn't, I was also, so I was kind of watching for that as I was watching this movie, and I didn't see it, really. No. I didn't get that impression from it either. I, I feel like those elements of the story are just sort of really generic western plots. culture yeah right so i mean i don't think it would have to be intentional to have some connections i thought his explanation of his ability to do that would made zero sense oh yeah that like, <laughs> only god has that power but i just did it and i'm going to live for an undetermined amount of time but it could be as long as a regular life yeah, I was a little bit like, hold so are you on. alive or not? <laughs> sir, sir, a few follow-up questions. <laughs> yeah, I, th I felt like from a sci-fi perspective, it would have been better if I'm just like, only in some circumstances. And I'm like, right, right, you have to get him in a certain, within a certain amount of time. I'm like, no, he doesn't say that. Right. He yeah. just said, like, you can be alive for a time. Yeah. Maybe forever. And she's like, how long? And he's like, more as it takes. Yeah. <laughs> also, more medical, th I, just, I just have to go ahead and mention the whole, like, the the scene where he's like apparently he people can live a long time smoke yeah, <laughs> yeah. the yeah. timing of that had to be on purpose i mean it had to be but yeah was that on purpose i think that people just all smoked in the 50s and it was just these two guys are hanging out talking about this weird alien they just saw and wouldn't you be rattled wouldn't you need it's a so i think it's i think it's a very sly joke okay really? I, I, i'm not sure but i just i kind of suspect did people really believe in the early 50s that cigarettes would kill you? Oh, I think the word it was bad for you. Yeah, okay. The word okay. was kind of out that, like, it was not good for you. Okay, okay. <laughs> and I um, was wondering if that was just something that was just funny to modern people. Yeah, that's like, what I find. It funny. might be funnier to us now, but I just get, I mean, for one thing, there's just the fact that it's in the middle of the frame, like, smoke. Yeah, that, yeah. that timing right. was too perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I think even if it wasn't, like, written much, they might have been, like, on set and knew what they were doing. Yeah. And um, another thing, I, I guess, just thinking about it, like, I think something that's influential about this movie is how, this movie's pretty cheesy. It's, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. Mm -hmm. But it is played completely straight. Yes. I mean, aside yeah. from this sly joke we're talking about, there's not really any humor. Apparently the actress couldn't get um, 
get out Klaatu Barada Nikto without laughing because she had to struggle to do it with a straight face. Jeez. And not only a straight face, a scarred face. A scared yeah. face. Yeah, her name is Pat- Patricia Neal. I don't know if I said that before. She's also from Knoxville, Tennessee, so she's a southern girl. I'm nice. such wow. a stan of this woman now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm yeah, about but it. she was like, she she's was like, not. it was so hard to play it straight. And we kept laughing. And yeah, so that's nice to know that they kind of had fun and kind of knew that this movie was ridiculous while mm-hmm. they were making it. Um, but that's very much how science fiction movies were for a long. There's like no winking to the audience that, and, and it's. I think it's it's no matter how ludicrous it gets, or even if whether it's a B movie or an A movie, like n- take the material seriously, mm-hmm. which I think I think this movie set that standard. Yeah. yeah, and that was something Star Wars was famous for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that movie winks more than because that movie is more of a swashbuckler. Yeah. Um, I also think this movie did have an influence on the Godzilla movies, written monster movies of that variety, in that completely ludicrous, played totally straight. Yeah. I I want to. Is it okay if I yeah. introduce a new yeah. thing? What do you guys think of the actual day? That the uh, earth stood still. The, the actual 30 minutes, excuse me, 30 minutes. <laughs> the actual half hour that the earth stood still. I have, the actual I, four-ish minutes in the movie. I, I was like completely underwhelmed by yeah. that section of the story. And I'm the whole movie is named after it. Yeah. And it's kind of like a big moment in the movie. But is it just me or is that a really underwhelming thing to do to a population of people is to turn off their stuff for 30 minutes? I mean, just thoughts. I think the fact that it was all over the world made it a big enough deal for him to get everybody's attention. And okay. that's why it was the centerpiece of the movie. It just it seemed yeah. so anticlimactic. I mean, being on the other side of the Texas blackouts right now, I was kind of like, this is nothing. Yeah. This isn't hurting we anybody. We don't live in Texas. Yeah, but I know, but it's just, I've been listening to a lot of the daily about Texas this week. Yeah, um, yeah. But. I actually yeah. think it's a really good science fiction concept. And I think it's, I think it's a dramatic, good dramatic concept. And even, even in the, the, I, I, I agree that it's, they don't play it as well as they maybe could have. Yeah, sure. And maybe that's where the budget limitations got in. But I think the idea is, because, I mean, if you just stop and think about it, that would be something. It's some attention. Especially if we already knew there's a spaceman on the planet. Yeah. I mean, so if we knew, A, there's a spaceman on the planet doing spaceman stuff, but we're not sure what, and then that happens. And I mean, and what a, you know, and things like Snowpocalypse and other things like that where we all knew what our day was like. Yeah, where the, we were that day when the whole city shut down. Yeah. Yeah, so I think the concept is good. I just don't know if they... I, I feel like somehow the movie doesn't sell it as well as they could have. Yeah. yeah. And the dumb remake didn't either. Oh, I hate that movie so much. Oh my much. goodness, yeah. I saw it in the theater and it was one of the great disappointments of my life. When did it come out? I... 2008. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. It's such a weird movie. Like, I almost don't hate it because it's so weird. For one thing, Keanu Reeves is in it, mm-hmm. which is like either great or what is he doing in this movie? I mean, that's... Keanu yeah, Reeves. That's career. his whole career. That's fair. And uh, and that's in the latter category. Uh, the robot was like a skyscraper tall, and I thought that was stupid. It's just a dumb movie, it's and it's weird because it's so also a movie that bad. like, like this movie commits to it being serious. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and but that movie like somehow is like is serious, 
but it's also kind of does some weird winking and weird it just is it doesn't know what its tone was it's a weird movie almost like there's a part of me that wants to watch it again just to kind of riff on it rather than see it in the theater and go like oh yeah I wasted my dollars on this yeah. which is fully how i felt sure yeah True. Yeah, yeah. The day the earth stood still. I really had never even put together that the thirty-minute blackout was the name of the movie. I yeah, it's a good title. Until you said yeah, that, yeah. I was like, the day the earth stood still is just the day the ship landed because everyone was so shocked. I guess but that's... yeah, no, literally, it stood still for thirty minutes. Yeah, the that's... day the car stood the still. Day the, car <laughs> stood still. Yeah. the day traffic got worse. <laughs> yeah. The day electricity stopped the gas engines. Yeah. 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 Sure. But not watches. Not planes. Or hospitals. How did he do it? How did? How was he so organized? Space magic. So I yes yes, and that's <laughs> I guess that that's another thing that's sort of Christ-like is the miracle performing. Yeah. That was yeah. kind that's of. True. Yeah. 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 And apparently the writer put it in but not just kind of as a joke not really trying to be serious really i think so but that's from wikipedia so that's not the so most reliable it is based on a book yeah short uh, story right short story okay well that makes sense most great sci-fi films are based on short stories amen yes 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 I and think... most of them are by philip k dick but still <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think yeah the uh I think another thing about this movie is that it's really one of the first movies that was sort of the the so-called golden age of science fiction or whatever is is the 40s when Isaac Asimov and Heinlein and and all those folks were cutting their teeth on pulpy literal pulp yeah. publications and just cranking them out and 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 so this is in some ways I think one of the first movies that's actually where Hollywood started to utilize some of that talent mm. and they weren't just sort of in the background doing their own thing yeah. So and that became more well a frustr and then and then a, a frustrating relationship was born. Yes. Speaking of Heinlein, I, I definitely got some Stranger in a Strange Land vibes from this movie too. Yeah. Where you know he, he comes back and nobody he, he says he's got a peaceful mission, but nobody really trusts him, and he gets locked up in the hospital for a while. There's some some pretty yeah on the surface parallels there. Yeah. I wonder who influenced who. Well, I mean, it's just kind of a, it's, it's just kind of an interesting idea to play around with. How yeah. would an alien an alien what arrive? What would we do if we had one? Yeah. Clearly, we would take a blowtorch to his spaceship. It was like we can't get this thing apart. <laughs> and we would lightly guard it, even though it's the most important thing going on in the whole planet that a little kid could sneak up and go, "Hey, look at that!" and know more than the U.S. president. Yeah. yeah. We would shoot him, but we wouldn't check his pockets for diamonds. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's maybe true. <laughs> we definitely shoot him. So yeah. the real villain of the movie, the boyfriend's Tom. Oh, right. Yeah, he that was guy. so cartoonishly like, the diamonds, and he's evil, and I'll be on the papers. And um, it's just, that was kind of taking me out of the story a little bit. I remember being like, this is dumb. This guy is too evil. This he's guy, he sucks so blatantly. Like, I'm just kind of like, what is his motivation again? He's going to be famous. And I, I was kind of, that, that kind of removed some of the dramatic tension for me. I also think really the only performance that isn't good. Like, yeah. I think that's the other thing about this movie is there's just a lot of good performances. And his, but of course, maybe to be fair is that this is the worst written character in the movie. Yeah. yeah. He's just there to be kind of a heel, yeah. you know, and 
I like that it was him that was wishy-washy and dumb and scared and wanting to be selfish and an asshole and not her. She mm-hmm. was yeah. yeah. She was the one he trusted with his secret. And but also, you know, she was she's kind of a babe and he's kind of a hunk. So, uh, you yeah. know, there's that. There was a wardrobe change in the ship, <laughs> you oh, guys. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Whoa. <laughs> Yeah. Hold on, I gotta make a speech in a second. But come on. In the meantime. In the meantime, I, I could I could die in a second, like I just said. So <laughs> literally. Back for you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, all of my organs are the same. The doctor said so. I was nice to your kid for nothing. <laughs> oh jeez. It gets worse and worse. All my diamonds back. <laughs> Got more of those diamonds in my room if you want to check it out. <laughs> I, I, I think it's interesting to, to see the, the boyfriend as the villain of the movie because I, that's a good point. He is the closest thing to a villain in the movie, but I don't feel like the movie would have been any different if he hadn't been there at all. Yeah. No. What was he there for? Why? To kind of, I guess he helped with some exposition. You know, that's, that's a real, like, yeah. a lot of what, a lot, you know, just think of how many actors have had roles in movies where their whole purpose is to spit out some exposition. You know what would have been cool? Is if the Aunt B character had been the boyfriend character who's going to call the Pentagon. They had just replaced it with her, where she's just meddling and, <laughs> meddling and figures out that he's the alien and she finds the diamonds in his room because of course she does. She's the nosy one. Yeah. And then she's the one on the phone. And she has to run and stop her. I mean, I think you're just, you're writing something that we're mostly, there just isn't much writing. Okay. That's the difference. Yeah. It's, I like that. That part I, of the movie is lightly written. If the character needed a heel, why can't it be the, the heel? That's you should so just weird. write fan fiction that is just rewriting <laughs> classic movies where there are more women doing stuff. That is, yes, I so feel like that's where you're coming girlfriend. from, is you're like, why not Aunt B? But also, I really wanted to see more Aunt B because yeah. I was so excited that it was Aunt B. And she was the one that was like, I know Larry King from it, you know what I mean. Oh, the other line, the other line, like, they're not people, they're just Democrats. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so relevant. Wow, yeah, yeah that was so hard. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Except I think at the time it was a more innocent. Ha ha ha, good line. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now it's actually like uh, yeah. <laughs> Anyway. Another performance I thought was quite good is actually that that maybe you wouldn't think would be that good is the guy who's the president's assistant or secretary or whatever. Yeah. Whatever yeah. Job. I was sitting and thinking, who would this guy's equivalent be now? The chief of staff, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And no that. one is that competent in the government. <laughs> no yeah. one would be like, listen, man, I want to help you, but I take it from me. No one's going to listen to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought that like was a... Like Colin Powell, maybe, like mm-hmm. back in the day. Yeah, I feel like that's a character in a scene. All those scenes are again are mostly just exposition mm-hmm. and theme setting. But I feel like those scenes are a lot better than they ought to be in a lot of ways. I, I guess they're just they're just the right tone. They, the performances is good, and it just he just seems like a real adult who's like act, you know has good reason to be cynical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I felt what like- you chuckling at? I'm just still laughing at the diamonds in my room. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I feel like the the whole first twenty minutes, maybe half hour of that movie, with, that's like mostly set up, was really well done. And I know mm-hmm. like one complaint I have about older movies from 
from this era is that they feel really slow mm-hmm. getting off the ground. And this one, like, just right from the get-go, dove into the action and then followed that up with, with some explanation that was really well-paced. And um, I thought it was very compellingly done. Yeah. yeah. I Yeah, I really like the beginning, too, because the whole, like, telling using newsreel like news stations around the world news bulletin this here's what's going on as the beginning of the movie is like such a trope right and i don't know if it was maybe this is the beginning of that trope or one of the beginnings of that trope at least certainly for this type of genre movie but i i I was like yeah this is such a trope but it really is well done it's an effective trope yeah Yeah, see sometimes that's just like this is lazy writing they're just trying to explain stuff and sometimes it feels like it's commentary it's like part of the mm-hmm. the movie they're making a comment about the media and that's where it works yes you know it doesn't work when it's just like okay and you know montage but here yeah. there was a big disaster but everyone is okay or whatever yeah. i don't know yeah it's also very economical that's probably another reason why they did it is they kind of it was they suggested how this is a big deal around the world and it probably cost nothing to shoot all, yeah, any of that. I thought that was a really clever <laughs> yeah. way to handle so, that. So there's that, the too. Of it. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you know, what you said about movies from this era being really slow, that is something that's definitely true. And this movie had every reason and every right to be painfully slow. Mm-hmm. Like when you wanted to watch this movie, I was kind of bracing myself like this is a movie I thought was cool as a kid because it had a giant robot and it's going to turn out it's really boring and stupid. Oh no. And then it wasn't. It And it should be boring. Like all he does is hang out with his roommates. Yeah. There's a giant robot. And walk around DC with a little kid. Like this movie could be so unwatchably boring. And it wasn't. It was really compelling. Yeah. And the, it wasn't super long, which I also appreciate. The 90 minute. Yeah. Yes. God bless ninety minute runtime. <laughs> yes. God bless ninety minute runtime. Amen, y'all. Yeah. What movie ruined that? Was it Lord of the Rings? Like, why are we Lord in of the this Rings. two and a half hour era Slash that I'm so mm-hmm. tired of? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. we don't need to go down that road. We can. Yeah. I mean. I it, that's a huge pet peeve of mine is the overlong movies like so, yeah. yeah every yeah. Marvel movie yeah every oh. Marvel oh Uh-oh. yeah don't, don't you blaspheme <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe you I'm know, not saying I don't like them I'm just the saying listeners that. we don't even have yet are unsubscribing <laughs> because we said one negative thing about anything Marvel. about Marvel movies <laughs> I, I will stop right now oh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> what a burn I just killed some listeners on yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, this movie could have been slow and it was not. And yeah. It should have been slow and was not. So, yeah. these, it, I mean, it makes sense. This director went on to do amazing things. West Side Story, um, Sound of Music, like, and Star Trek The Motion Picture, hence oh. my shirt. Oh, okay. Oh. I see what you did. Um, yeah, the, the, the first Star Trek movie, which is a mess. A mess. <laughs> and bad, but, but not his fault. very old. I think it was his last movie. Um, it's up there. I mean, they, they. I think one thing about Robert Wise's career, because I was just looking at his filmography going like, what? he's kind of a genre hopper, but I think a lot of what it is is that he was a guy who was trusted to make expensive movies and not, go over, and not go over budget yeah. and, and do a good job and deliver. Yeah. And so I think that's... And he came from Orson Welles' crew. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he was the... Uh, I just. I think he was one of the Mercury players. Well, he was an editor, so I think he was. That was his job. That was his gig in Hollywood, and that just was one of his. I don't know how associated he was with Orson Welles before that. Okay. But. Uh, but he did edit Citizen Kane. Yeah, he he edited. He had a lot of movies that he edited before he. 
Editor, editors should be directors, I it agree. seems to me. I agree. <laughs> I mean, a lot of times they are. So, because they yeah. they ha they get pacing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, well, should we do like? So a wait, no, I want to hear Ethan. So you wanted to see this because of a video game, and you thought it was well paced and pretty good. Like overall, you like this movie? You would recommend it? You'd watch it again? No? Yes? I wouldn't watch it again tomorrow, but no. I'm gonna watch it again <laughs> in a month or two. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I I think like. On on a, a whole scale of movies, it's it's a solid like seven seven and a half. It's yeah. not the best movie I've ever seen, but it holds up really well even by today's standards. I think yeah. I thought it was very well done. I would absolutely watch it again. Yeah, yeah. that's all an old movie needs to do yeah. is just I be just slightly so rewatchable. If an old movie makes a seven, it's golden. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was so relieved that it wasn't one of those childhood nostalgia movies that turns out to be terrible because I've encountered several. Of those yeah, recently. yeah. Like from outer space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, a big part of where this movie lives, and like I thought I'd seen this movie more than once, but I think mostly it's just a movie that's on TV every now and then. Yeah, and I'll like, and you just catch I'll like catch little pieces of it and just sort of vibe on it. Yeah. It's a movie that you, you just catch on TV and you vibe on a little bit. And probably Most... the kid character is why part of why I liked the movie so much yeah. as a kid. Now that I think about it, I don't have I any memory of the, a him. kid being in the movie from yeah. when I watched it when I was because I didn't like kids in movies. Yeah, actually, that was yeah. one of my weird. Things. I actually, when I was a kid, I, yeah, I didn't want to watch other kids in a movie. <laughs> I was more annoyed by them, and now I'm just kind of made uncomfortable by them. I don't know that I'm annoyed. I'm just like. Uh, this kid, you know, he's he's delivering these lines and he's trying to have a career and he's a child and oh, it, no. <laughs> I feel Where all are kind his of parents? yeah, I feel all kind of ways about it, but um, yeah, yeah. I mostly like, oh, you know, whatever they're part of the movie. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, good movie. I I would say it's a it's it's definitely if. If you're like not vibing on it when it's just on TV, or you're and you're not a sci-fi fan, then I mean, you should still watch it. I don't know how many of those people would love this movie though, especially with its with its drive-through ending and all that. Yeah, I still think it's like an important document to yeah. illustrate what the temperature of the world was at that time, thinking about post-war and. It's cold. It's yeah. Cold. Yeah. cold, but we remember when it was warmer. Yeah. 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 It's got to be winter. Yeah. Yep. Culturally important and fairly entertaining. Yeah. A plus. A, yeah. Five out of seven. Five yeah. out of seven. Yeah. Sure. Should we move to the what are we consuming section or yes. we want to say anything more about no, it? I think, yeah, I, I don't, I'm surprisingly going to have a Also, Patricia Neal stands. United. Sure, yes, Patricia Neal stands. we got to find a new thing to stand every podcast. Yeah, goodness, yeah, and the, that's the stroke lady, right? Yes, <laughs> so, I mean, shoot, yeah, very cool. Have I'm glad a stroke, I know lose your ability to speak, regain it, and win another Oscar. Oh, shoot. What you get an Oscar for? I don't remember. Yeah. Uh, some movie Helen. I haven't seen. Helen, this is a Patricia You're Neal just... stands podcast. <laughs> but it, was, it wasn't a movie I've seen, so it didn't stick in my head. All right. Anyway. So what else are you consuming, Ethan? I've been consuming a lot of mid-90s to early aughts TV shows that I've watched many, 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 many times in my life. Nice. Because nothing it. new is coming out that like would grab my interest. 
specifically King of the Hill lately. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's still like if I if I'm like I don't feel like watching an hour, so I'm, I'm not watching Buffy. I'm watching King of the Hill. It's like if I feel like half an hour, it's King of the Hill. Yeah, I was watching King of the Hill until Ren got old enough to understand what was going on, and mm. I had to stop. Which is sad. It was like a cotton-centric episode, oh, no. specifically, that she was like, I, what's he doing? What's going on? I'm like, okay, you're asking questions now, and I don't want to talk about cotton. And he so, killed Fitty Men. Yeah. Just tell her that. Oh, he killed Fitty Men. Man. And I was like, I don't want to watch it. So then I had to watch it without Ren, so now I can't watch it. You can't watch it, yeah. I've also almost finally finished Boardwalk Empire, which I started watching almost 10 years ago. Oh, yeah, I started that and never finished it, too. I'm finally on the last season of it. It's, uh... There's no real reason I stopped watching it. Well, if I you've just... seen the first season, you've seen pretty much the whole thing. It's okay, I liked the more, first season More violence and <laughs> plotting to kill gangsters. All right. It's great. <laughs> I like Steve Buscemi. Yeah. I... Uh... What have I been consuming? I've been making playlists this week because that's how I prefer to interact with music is I make playlists. I it's harder to do than it used to be, I feel like. Oh, now I've got a good app for it that I okay, feel good, good. about. Um, yeah, I am obsessed with concept albums, and so I'm basically always trying to just create my own for myself with music that I want to hear. And... I've been having so much fun finding songs with recurring themes and characters to throw around. We'll and... throw out a couple. Yeah, what are some of your themes? Well, I have one where it's a road trip with a, in the... I like to choose songs that are kind of a call and response between a girl singer and a male singer so that it's two... They're like falling in love throughout oh, the playlist. Like, I'm way into this. I'm loving I'm, this idea. I have so much fun fun with this like this is how i prefer to interact with music i hear a song and i relate to it and i'm like what can this go with to tell a story because i'm such a narrative hungry mind man there has got to be some kind of career for you out there <laughs> doing some on spotify no they're on deezer because i'm a contrarian oh. and i have deezer instead of spotify because i got mad at the playlist function on spotify i was trying to do it and i got frustrated and i just deleted it i think i got mad. understand that yeah yeah so that's yeah. what I've been doing this week. I made one called Pure Darkness with a bunch of, well, it has one of John's songs. It has the Brave Little Toaster Worthless song on it, which is so nice. scary. They're all the cars are singing about death as yes. they get crushed into little cubes. Oh my God. And then also, you know, Tom Waits and Nine Inch Nails and like actual dark songs. Oh, but no, I have to Deezer. <laughs> <laughs> I actually made Deezer. one called, um, uh, yeah, Ethan's Car. For songs that would be good to play on good speakers. Yeah, <laughs> it's only ten songs, but I made it because I knew I was gonna see you. So like, right. what would be great to listen to on Ethan's very good car speakers? These songs with very busy sounds, I, like I, glass animals. Oh, I feel so honored. <laughs> I think we we need to like start a new podcast about your playlist. Yes, because I have so many questions. <laughs> I'm making it sound way more epic, but like this is it very much engages my mind and entertains me so of course i'm excited about it but anyway john what have you been i consuming? have been i will shoot i've been kind of having a low consumption week uh yeah i've been re-watching better call saul which i see is purely just like have something on in the room i like it but I almost like don't love it, but it'll it'll just go. It'll do. 
you know, and because I, I ran out of Twin Peaks to rewatch, so I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do? And uh, we're watching Better Call Saul, and I just kind of like having those mostly bad people in my house just <laughs> talking to each other. You know, it's nice. Um, well, they, you know them so well. They're three-dimensional so bad people. Yeah, I shoot. I uh, got a record that is John Cage's prepared piano sonatas and interludes, and I was very excited about that. So I've been playing that, and that's. That's all I have to say. I've been re-listening to Reply All because, again, I'm just re-listening to stuff. I'm just, I'm having one of those weeks where I don't want anything new. I just want to be comforted by the same voices I've heard a million times before. <laughs> so. so important sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I guess I'm the reader of this group. Yes. I'm reading a biography of Ishiro Honda. Oh, neat. Which is a book I've had on my shelf for a while that I asked for and and a book request for Christmas or whatever, and I'm finally actually reading it. It's a, it's a lovely book and he, about a lovely man. Uh, in case you don't know who Ishiro Honda is, he is the director of the first Godzilla movie and many subsequent Godzilla movies and many other Japanese sci-fi extravaganzas. And I think I was certainly tuned in reading how apparently this is one of his movies that he, Day the Earth Stood Still was one that he was paying attention to. And, and I'm like, yep. This is the, the ridiculous nonsense taken totally straight. Um, now, and of course, one thing is in the introduction, it's not, it was sort of, obviously it's a niche thing that I'm interested in to read a biography about this man. But it was sort of saying how, you know, the, that first Godzilla movie is one of the most important foreign films ever made in America. Like maybe not just globally, but because or even globally, just because foreign films were released in theaters in, or in like art house cinemas, but they had no cultural impact before, before you got Gojira, smooshing mm. things up. There was no foreign language film, French, German, whatever, maybe Nosferatu, until Godzilla showed up. Was there anything that permeated pop culture in this country that was foreign? So in some ways, this book is saying like, so maybe we ought to be taking this director a little seriously. Yeah. And so it's kind of going into like somewhat absurdly, because he made like a lot of other non-monster movies that are not available in the U.S. So mm -hmm. they're going into that. So, and he's just a lovely guy. And it's interesting also because it's, the guy's born in 1911. So it's an interesting sort of overview of Japanese history too. This is a guy who of course served in the war and all that. Oh, and I read Bartleby. The Scrivener? Yes, The Scrivener. Excellent. Yeah, because I remember our conversation about like, why'd you name the dog Bartleby? I know it's a Melville thing. And, I'll, and that was another one after that conversation. I'm like, I have that book on my shelf. So. Mm -hmm. What'd you think? Uh, I, I could talk about it. but Which was better? I the, would is the dog much. better or the book? Yeah, which yeah. is better, the book or the dog, as John asked. This is an important question. Oh, the book's good. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to besmirch a dog. <laughs> don't don't even dog. make me. Correct answer. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I thought it was, I mean, it's, it's such a weird, I mean, that's the thing about, I, I, was, caught, I was not caught off guard because I happen to know that Melville is weird. Yes. That guy's got a very particular, strange imagination. <laughs> yes. And so that, that, that book is very in line with that. So, yeah, it's. I will, I You'll will. understand the dog better now. 
Yeah, he, you can tell he prefers not to do things, and yeah. he's not really, he's not really, an, a, he's not, he's not, you know, he's not going to be mean about it. He's not going to really be confrontational about it. He just would prefer not to. Yeah. Prefer not to. All right, y'all. Are we, are we done so? Play us out. We'll have yeah. an outro right. one day. Thank yeah. you guys for, for listening, hypothetically. Oh, Ethan, do you want to plug anything? I feel like we should do that with guests. Oh, well, if I'm going to plug something, I guess I should plug my partner's podcast, which cool. is called Roleplay Retcon, okay. where uh, they and some of their friends take notoriously bad movies and then rehash them as role-playing games that they do together. Oh, fun. It is a lot of fun to listen to. Uh, you can tell they're all having a blast all of the time, and I highly recommend it. Well, that sounds cool. great. Yeah. All right. Listen to that one more time. The people. What was yeah. it called? It's called Roleplay Retcon. Roleplay Retcon. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Nicto. Cool. Well, thanks for listening, folks, who All are right. listening. Woo! Woo.